Hi guys, welcome back to Adorn Podcast. We are on episode 57, and today we're kicking off a new series studying the book of Ephesians. Hi friends, and welcome to the Adorned Podcast. We're your hosts, Erin and Casey. We would love for you to come join us each week as we discuss what it means to be made beautiful by God's Word. Whether you are a college student walking to class, a mom folding laundry during nap time, or a boss babe sitting in rush hour traffic, we hope that we can encourage and inspire you to pursue a deeper understanding of the Bible. All right, before we get into our background information and context and why we're doing Ephesians and all of that, let's let's uh, start off with a fun question. What what have you been reading lately, Casey? So over spring break, I read Francis Chan's new book. Well, new, I think it's been out about a year, but it's okay. called Letters to the Church. Hmm. And it's really, really good. If you know anything about him, um, he about 10 years ago had this really big church in California. And then he kind of went off the map for a little bit, like literally, like I was like, <laughs> where'd Francis Chan go? Yeah. And um, him and his family, they moved to Asia, but then they came back. And when they came back, they started these house churches. Mm-hmm. And so he just kind of talks about the process to which he got to where he was Mm -hmm. like from this big mega church to these smaller house churches and he walks through um just kind of the biblical view of what church is supposed to be and I love the book because he's not convincing everybody that house churches are the way to go but he is uh, just helping get back to the heart of of what church is supposed to be and how so many times we've lost focus um and that it's about Jesus and it's about reading the scriptures and um, it's not about a performance. It's not about an experience and just some good truths. Um, he, he gives a lot of grace to mm. people. He, it's a reminder that if you're reading this and you're, you know, part of the congregation, you're not a pastor, like give your pastor grace, yeah. like don't hand this book to them with <laughs> tons of underline and highlighting and, and say, you know, we're not doing this. Why are we not doing this? Like offer them grace. And, um, I just love him. I've always loved yeah. him. And I was kind of sad when he kind of disappeared for yeah. a little while because because I like him a lot. I like his heart and I think he's a really good teacher. So it was a really, really good book. What have you been reading? Um, I just very recently um, got this book called Humble Calvinism by Metters, M-E-D-D-E-R-S, I think. And uh, it is such a fun read. Like, I feel like he's- A fun t- read. Which a sounds weird. About, I know. A fun read. <laughs> and it's funny, he talks in the book, he's like, this shouldn't sound like um, an oxymoron, but right. humble Calvinism mm-hmm. sometimes does sound right. like an oxymoron. Mm-hmm. But he goes into- um, not like a super deep dive into what Calvinism is, but it's more about, um, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it because I'm not fully finished with it yet. I don't know if I've mentioned this on here, but I'm a super ADD reader. Like, I honestly don't remember the last book I fully read. I thought you were going to say I'm a super Calvinist. I was like, Aaron. <laughs> no. Okay. No. ADD reader. <laughs> Anyways, he wrote it, whether you're Calvinist, if you if you agree or align right. with Calvinism, mm-hmm. or you don't, um, it, it it's... It's not trying to convince you of that. Mm-hmm. It's just trying to say, hey, here's a culture that's going on in the church right now, um, and we need to address it and bring back, you know, humble Calvinism, mm-hmm. um, yeah. kind of trying to address this shift of arrogant Calvinism that's going on within mm-hmm. the church. Um, and the book is super good, and it's like, it really feels like he's talking to you, and like his little footnotes are random other little like thoughts that he has. Yeah. So it's it's a really fun, easy read. And then I've been reading, um, so I've been encouraged 
recently from a couple separate people unknowingly that other people have said that to try to make sure you're always reading some kind of fiction or mm-hmm. something that's yeah. not a study book. Um, cause I very much am like, well, if I'm going to read, like I want to learn something, mm-hmm. but I like been trying to take these people advice. And the, f- the furthest I've stepped into that, because I don't know how to read fiction. So the furthest I've stepped in is I got a biography, mm-hmm. um, and I've been reading C.S. Lewis biography. And although some of it is over my head because of just language I mean he speaks English but you know like (laughs) not American English anyway some of it's over my head but it's been really good and I think I understand where people are coming from now when they're saying like you need to read Mm -hmm. more fun stuff yeah I think that's great advice for a lot of reasons I think that um you know it's good to give our brains a break and Mm -hmm. I still I think that reading is a better thing than watching TV although watching TV is is okay like we watch TV some but but reading is better for your brain. But yeah. also I think that we can learn from anything we're reading, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's historical fiction, whether it's a biography, whether it's um, just no matter what it is, like it stimulates our brains and we can learn th- from anything. That's yeah. why it's good for kids to just read and read yeah. and read and read. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I was going to ask you something. Oh, I was going to say humble Calvinism. That's a good place to start <laughs> um, as we, start into Ephesians because there are a lot of um, doctrines doctrines and principles within Ephesians that um, are kind of anchors for Mm -hmm. the Calvinistic view. And Mm -hmm. so um, anyway, that's kind of, that's interesting that you're reading that right before we go through Ephesians. So So Ephesians, like Casey said, there is so much packed into this tiny book, right? It's six chapters, but there is so, um, so much depth to this book, that's what um, part of the reasons why we chose it. Maybe we should start with talking about why we chose yeah. this. One of the reasons is because it, it's got a ton of great stuff. I mean, it's got the armor of God in chapter 6. There's a lot of stuff about marriage, marriage. unity within the church. There's a lot. Um, there's just so much good stuff packed into this tiny, beautiful little mm-hmm. epistle that yeah. we're going to say. Yeah. What's another reason we picked this one? Well, I I like it because I feel like it's just a good theological foundation. I mean, we'll see just in the first like 13 or 14 verses that it's just a good foundation for the gospel. Mm -hmm. It just presents the gospel. It's very um, Trinitarian. It shows us the Trinity over and over and just kind of hammers home some of those doctrines that we've already talked about before on the podcast. But um, I like that a lot. I feel like Paul really just kind of simplifies some things Mm -hmm. for us. Makes it real practical Mm -hmm. and understandable. Yeah. Yeah. I think the other reason we chose it, and we talked about this a little bit as we're going through Genesis, is, you know, we just came through this. How many weeks did Genesis end up being? 14. 14 weeks. Yeah, I just looked at it. Okay. So 14 weeks of um, some intense studying in Genesis. And when we were about halfway through, um, we talked a little about... How, what's a, what's a good idea when you're getting, you know, feeling like, wow, this is so heavy. This is so much. I'm learning so much, you know, great Old Testament stuff. Like what's, what's something that can encourage you? And we kind of talked a little bit about, you know, make sure then read something from the New Testament, mm-hmm. something that's very gospel clear and something that um, it maybe is a little bit easier for lack of better right, words. Yeah. So we decided after coming off of Genesis and um, we are going to now go back New Testament and, and focus on the book of Ephesians for yeah. a bit. So let's start with who wrote Ephesians. I already mentioned it, but... Yeah, so Paul, but apparently there's some 
debate about this. There is. Which is yes. so funny because it starts out the first it word does. of the book is Paul. It does. <laughs> so from the 1820s on, some have debated this authorship, which is interesting because it mm-hmm. went all the way to the 1820s. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, people are like, wait, maybe Paul didn't really write this. And so the arguments are that the style isn't um, completely consistent with his other letters and that some of the relationship with the church seems different than what was expressed in Acts. And even um, a little bit of a different theological focus, but ultimately, um, for me and from some of the commentaries I was reading, ultimately, I think we can we can believe that it's written by Paul simply because it says it is, right. and it is consistent. If you really look at his theology, it is consistent. I think they say the one that it, it most parallels with is um, Colossians, mm-hmm. I believe, and um, so yeah, that's kind of where we land, but I thought it was interesting. Both my study Bible and a commentary that I'm reading talked about that quite yeah. a bit about how this is this is up for debate. Yeah. But. Yeah, I was listening to um, a course on the study uh, letters of Paul in the uh, we'll link it, but he was also saying that he wasn't being condescending, but he was like, guys, it says Paul. Like, no, no, that's kind of my What are we too. arguing about? Yeah, and he was saying, you know, like, if you look at different letters of Paul, like, a lot of them are not exactly the same in their format. And we'll talk mm-hmm. a little bit later about um, how letters and epistles and what that means, but they're not all exactly the same. Right. So to say the style's a little different doesn't then you know, validate the fact that they think it's not Paul. So. Yeah. And I mean, if I think about like my blogs, my blogs are always different. Yeah. Like I'm not always super consistent. In yeah. I write depending on who I'm addressing and right. what the topic is. And what and season you're in Exactly. Right now. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I'm kind of of the same thought. I'm kind of like, well, and um, in, in the commentary, so I'm reading, it's called The Message of Ephesians by John Stott. And he talks about how, you know, there's just merit in the fact that the church for 1800 years, basically. Right believed affirmed, that yeah. yeah affirmed that Paul's the one that wrote it so we have to you know there's there's some merit in that there yeah, yeah, alone that's true so. that's true all right and who was he writing it to so he was writing it to the church at Ephesus Ephesians 1 1 says to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus yeah so um there's the immediate intended audience, which would be the church of Ephesus. But then we know that this is still written for us. Like we've talked about before, um, the Bible's written for us and for Mm -hmm. now. So we will, you know, take into account the actual cultural and historical context of the people who we was writing it to at that time, but then also reminding ourselves that what he has written is still true for us today. I thought this was interesting. Some early manuscripts actually eliminate the second part of this verse, um, leading some to believe that the letter became widely circulated and used more for general teaching across mm-hmm. believers. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really interesting because that's that's like what you're saying. Like that it, it's almost, I mean, I read some different things once again, kind of like what they say about Paul, Paul's authorship. But um, some people think that, you know, maybe they took that out because they took to um, the church in Ephesus out because they realized that this letter could actually be used in way more circles than just that specific church. And so I thought that was really neat because absolutely it still applies to the church today. So, um, so where, tell us a little bit about the city of Ephesus. So it was known to be kind of the the capital, if you will, or a big city in um, the west coast of Asia. It was a Roman province, um, and it was it was a big center for for commerce. And um, you could say it was like, uh, what was the word I was going to say? I had a really like cute old person word like oh no <laughs> happen, happening. It was a happening it was place. A happening place. It was hopping. It was um, <laughs> it was a big city. 
Um, so it was self-described by the actual Ephesians, like as they were describing their city, they would call it the most glorious of the Asian cities, um, which is kind of funny. I feel like as Texans, we can kind of relate to yes, that. absolutely. That's what I was thinking. I was like, well, Austin's pretty glorious, if you ask me. Like, Texans are known for being, like, so proud of the fact that they're Texans. We don't need so to talk like, about humble this. Calvinism. We need to talk about humble Texans. <laughs> but Paul uses um, the same terminology to describe the church as um, as a glorious bride in Ephesians 5, 27. So he uses little words that would have caught their attention Mm -hmm. um so that's kind of cool to know Mm -hmm. yeah so Ephesus contained the temple of the goddess uh the goddess Artemis or Diana and we see this in Acts 19 and we see them um they say uh great is Artemis of the Ephesians great is Artemis of the Ephesians it's kind of this riot that happens while Mm -hmm. Paul is teaching they kind of riot and they rush into this theater and they start yelling this over and over and over and so I have a little fun fact about this so Jonathan has actually been to Ephesus and so as uh, I was preparing for this episode, I was like, tell me some fun things about about F- Ephesus. Mm-hmm. And he said that they actually went into the theater where this took wow. place and it seats about 25,000 people. And it was, I mean, the Bible describes it as being pretty full. And um, he said the acoustics at that time were such that you could stand at the bottom, like where the mm-hmm. stage would be, and you could just talk in a normal voice and you could hear all what? the way up at the top. Like one of his friends went to the bottom and they went to the top and they could hear wow. what they were saying. Had like my right, exactly, exactly, and so I was like, Whoa, you know, he's telling me this, and I was just thinking about how like it would have echoed greatest Artemis of the Ephesians, Mm. you know, like Mm -hmm. and just it was once again just putting it into context and making it into a real life thing. Um, you know, picturing Paul being there and hearing him yell this and this this big riot that was happening. He also told me another, um, this is actually the first thing he told me about Ephesus when I asked him, which tells you he's definitely um a man he said I was like tell me something about Ephesus and he was like well there were these benches that had holes in them and they were all surrounding this stage and we asked our our um professor what what are those benches for and the professor was like oh those were toilets so they would sit and go to the bathroom while watching someone perform on this stage in the middle I was like okay that's I guess a fun fact about Ephesus too so I was like debating whether I should say that but I was like I think that's hilarious like sitting on these public toilets and watching no I cannot imagine that is so weird I cannot imagine isn't that so weird (laughs) but it was this center like like Aaron said it was a happening place like I mean they even had they even had acting in the middle of their toilets like this so this was just kind of a buzzing place. That so. is so funny. It gives you some context there. That is so funny. <laughs> All right. When was it written? This is another thing that I feel like they're not super certain about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So most likely um, written around eighty fifty two when Paul was in imprisoned um, in Rome and he was on house arrest during this time. And you can see this. He talks about it some in Acts 28. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of. I feel like that was the common thing that I read, but did you read anything different? 
Um, some I was listening to the, at um, that course, and he was saying some people would date it around 52. Some people would date it more like 60, 61, okay. 62. Okay, a little bit later. Yeah, um, and we know from the book itself, which we'll see as we study it, that it was written during Paul's imprisonment because he says in chapter 3, verse 1, for this reason I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ, and then again in Ephesians 6.20, for which I am an ambassador in chains. So yeah. that's how we... Um, get the idea that he mm-hmm. was imprisoned during yep. this time. So why was this letter written? Um, because of his deep affection for the church at Ephesus, which mm-hmm. I feel like is why most of his letters were yeah. written. He cared. Yeah. I mean, I think some of it's like for clear correction, yeah. but I feel yeah. like Ephesians is more a reminder of the gospel and like how to live in light in that, uh-huh. but not like a specific, you're doing this wrong, yes. you're doing this wrong, yes. you're doing this wrong yeah. type thing. Yeah. So Acts twenty seventeen through uh, 37 is an account of Paul speaking with the elders of the church and weeping when Paul had to leave because he knew that he would not see them again. Mm-hmm. And Paul was adamant to show the Ephesians when he was there that he was there to serve them in humility and not take part in the materialism um, that was so prevalent there. Mm-hmm. So I just love seeing these little glimpses of Paul's heart and mm-hmm. just how he went from this um, persecutor of Christians and... Um, this just scary, scary guy right? to just this humble servant yeah. of Jesus. And I just love it. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about what what is in this book. What is this book? I mean, we've mentioned it's a letter. It's an epistle. Yeah. So tell us the difference between an epistle and a letter because I did not know this until I started reading your notes. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know so. this either. I just learned this. And this was, you know, I learned this from a theologian, obviously, that I look up to and respect, but I don't, I haven't tested it against anything else to know if it's exactly true. So what he was saying was that there is a slight difference between epistles and letters. People still use them interchangeably and you're not going to be wrong if you do that. But what he was saying was that, um, a letter is more a specific, um, audience. Mm -hmm. So like Philemon, or he even said Galatians, where it's like specifically written to either a person or a group. Whereas like we were talking about earlier with Ephesians, he was writing to the church at Ephesus, but it was very a wide audience, a broad Mm -hmm. audience. What he was saying is still applicable and possibly circulated, like you were saying, um, to multiple people. So an epistle is more, I don't want to say general, but more like applicable to more people more people yeah I like Um, that that's interesting yeah I thought that was really interesting when he was talking about that too um and then um I in that same course it it was taught by Hans Beyer Bear I don't know where he was from but he had an awesome accent but he was um talking about like if you could describe the letter in one sentence which you know we've we try to do like Uh with the bible whole bible and different things and so Think about this as we're studying through Ephesians, and then maybe at the end of Ephesians, we'll come up with our own sentence. But his sentence to describe the book of Ephesians, he said, it's a statement about unity in the form of an epistle. Oh, that's good. So we'll have to keep thinking about that. a lot of different Mm -hmm. kinds of unity throughout. I mean, even just in chapter one. Yeah like that yeah so what else in the in the what section so the focus can be broken down into two uh, main concepts in chapters one through three Paul's really just teaching about the Bible like I said before just about the gospel uh, yes about the Bible (laughs) about the Bible about the gospel (laughs) like what I said before like just those foundational Mm -hmm. truths and those can be called indicatives and um in the in a commentary I was reading it said that they're the glorious statements of fact that undergird Christianity so just yeah so just those 
foundational truths. Undergird. Um, yes, undergird. <laughs> um, chapters four through six teach us how to live it out. So they can be called the imperatives. Hmm. And so it's more, it shifts into more like of an instructional, okay, here's your foundation. Right. Here's what the gospel says. What does that mean for your life? Yeah, yeah, and how yeah. do you live that out? Um, so yeah, that's kind of I the like structure. That. I like that he has it in the right order, you know, like mm-hmm. first we have to understand the gospel yes. in order to live it out, yes. not try to live it out without fully understanding right. it. Right. Right. And That's John good. Stott says again, kind of a little, um, sentence that just, or not even a full sentence that is a concise summary of the book. He says peace through grace, Ooh, which like is Paul's greeting many times in his letters and epistles. He says grace and peace, you know? And, um, so I like that. Yeah. So in my ESV study notes, if, in its kind of summary of what the book is about, it describes it. It says, Ephesians, this is a little bit more than one sentence. Ephesians articulates general instruction in the truths of cosmic redemptive work of God in Christ, the unity of the church among diverse peoples, and proper conduct in the church, the home, and the world. It's about unity and love in the bond of of peace, marking the work of the Savior, as well as Christians' grateful response to his free grace in their lives. Mm, that's good. It's two sentences, that's but I feel like really it, good it, summary. it really does sum up what, you know, you're saying those first three chapters and those last mm-hmm. three chapters are really seeking to do. Yeah. And one of the reasons, and I should have said this at the beginning, but one of the reasons I said this kind of ties into the whole Calvinism thing is this, this was actually John Calvin's favorite letter. Oh. And I found out this week he Makes did sense. like a 40, I think a 40 something sermon series 40? on Ephesians. Oh. Um, and I was like, oh, I wish I had had time to look at some of those. Yeah. I probably would just be overwhelmed. But this was his favorite letter. So I oh. thought that was really interesting. So in light of that, we're going to do 40 episodes on <laughs> no. Ephesians. Just oh, kidding. Goodness, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not just after 14 on Genesis was enough. So no, what are no. some more? We've, we've touched on a few, but what are some more themes that we see throughout this book? Um, we see unity in Christ. Um, these are also some doctrines. And then we see just really trying to understand the gospel. So the gospel, what it means, what it means for our lives. We see the theme of marriage. We see the theme of like mystery within mm-hmm. the Trinity and just within the gospel itself. Um, we see the importance for gospel identity, Trinity, the church. I mean, yeah. we see a lot. We what are some other lot. things we see in here? Yeah, that, I mean, that summed up quite a quite a bit. Um, I was reading about how we see the verb walk a lot through this book, like uh-huh. how to walk out your faith. Okay. And, um, and it said in the John Stott book, it said, Paul picked up um, walk as a metaphor for one's pattern of conduct from Old Testament precedents. Mm-hmm. So you see that throughout the Old Testament. Yeah, and that's we saw that in Paul, Abraham. Right, yeah. and that's where Paul um, got that from. So yeah. we'll see that a lot. Very cool. Um, Yeah. Very cool. So we're super excited to dive into this book. Um, Just a little um, summary. I don't know what the word is. Just a little preview of what the series Uh is going to look like. Um, We're going to go next week. We're just going to go cover chapter one. So all you need to do between now and then is read um, chapter one. If you like to study inductively, we have a little guide that you can download in the resources. It's pretty straightforward. You can also just do it in your own little journal where you write down your observations, your interpretations, and um, your applications. And um, if you want to download that, we have a free download for you. 
Um, otherwise, you can just read it. You can pray over it. You can meditate on it. Another fun thing we're going to do with this series is we're going to pick one um, Bible verse from each week's readings that we're going to um, focus on memorizing together, which we think that would be a really cool, mm-hmm. powerful thing. Um, what else about this? Yeah, series? another good resource would be, I don't know if we've mentioned them on here before, but the Illuminated yes. um, Books of the Bible. Mm-hmm. It's the scripture on one side, places to journal on the other side, and it's just one book. And it's, it's like $4. Like five, four or $5. Yeah. You can get them at Lifeway. You can get them on Amazon, I think. Um, and so I'm going to get Ephesians for me as I'm studying to write in it. And so that might be helpful. Yeah, Amazon um, has them too. Mm-hmm, yeah. And um, also I always plug this, but just listen listen to it yeah, immerse yeah. yourself in it even this morning before we came to to record the podcast I just listened through it because right. the more you listen the more it'll just get into your heart and into your mind and so yeah we're really excited about this so, Woohoo! okay so our memory verse for this week is going to be Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 and it says in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes, and most importantly, share with a friend. The beautiful music that you've heard on this episode today is by the incredibly talented Katie Cobbs.